Hey, pal pod listeners. Glad you guys all came back. I apologize. It's been a while. Can't really say there's good excuses. Had to show. Just life happened a little bit. But here we are. We're back. We have a a good interview coming up. Uh, Let's give you a heads up also. Ryan and I decided, since I talk over him all the time, that we're going to start splitting uh, the pods up. So he's going to do one by himself, and I'm going to do one by myself. And that also gives us a little more time in between recording podcasts. So we can take care of our stores and take care of our people. So I appreciate you guys tuning in and listening to a good one. we got Patrick Lavery, and uh, just always good to talk to Pat. And this is a good one. You guys enjoy it. Uh, thanks for coming back. Stay tuned for more. Thanks for listening to the PAL Podcast. Hey, everybody. Glad you guys came back to the PAL Podcast. Got a, got a good one for you here today. We got Patrick Lavery. Uh, I am saying your last name right. Lavery, right? I've known you forever, that, but... That is correct. Okay. I just want to make sure. I've been known to screw up some last names and first names. So uh known Pat for a while, and uh, I'm glad you chose to uh, come on here, Pat. I, I bugged you enough to get on here. so I'm a little nervous. I'll say yeah, that. that's all right. So uh, why don't you go ahead and tell us uh, where your stores are at, how many you got, and uh, why don't you uh, tell us how you kind of got into the hardware stores and the Ace. I have two stores in Southern Illinois, um, 30 minutes outside St. Louis. Um, my father started the first location in 87. Um, and then I, I, uh, joined the business at the ripe age of five and, uh, kind of grew up in it. It was my daycare. Um, so I'm sure there's a lot of people that have, stories somewhat similar to that that uh you're just around it all the time um that store continued to grow and do well i got older um originally my father was not going to allow me into the business he has a theory that uh one store can provide a living for one family and then when you try to add more families to it it creates a lot of stressors on the store if the store is not just hugely successful so uh, it's interesting. I that's interesting to think about, though. Huh? Yeah, that's uh, that that you can be very like you're not going to get rich, but you're going to be comfortable with right. with one family being provided by one store. Yeah. Um. So in college, uh, Ace was in one of the, when I was in college, Ace was at that moment in one of their growth phases, like they are right now where there was lots of incentives out there for people looking to expand. And um, um, they approached another retailer in our market who passed on an opportunity, and then they came to my father's second. And originally, he never wanted me to be part of the business. At a young age, he wanted me to go off and work for another corporation, do something else with my life and uh, my senior year of college, I was applying for jobs and um, he came to me and asked uh, if I was interested in the business. And he kind of made me do a little bit of a, not an interview per se, but uh, I had to convince him that I was interested and whatnot. Um, 
And so then once I graduated, uh, we started from that next month on uh, planning our second location. And we opened that one in 2007. 2007. So when you were growing up, um, and your dad kept talking about, you know, you not being in a hardware store, were you like, I want to be in a hardware store? Or you were kind of like, I want to do something else? Uh, I had resided to um, doing something else. Uh, I kind of wanted to move away, but I was still interested in retail. Um, I had got, I uh, had a job lined up in management with Lowe's. Um, I had known someone in the management um, category there at Lowe's. And so I had that job lined up already. And then uh, I had some friends that worked at Target and, um, that were maybe five or six years older than I was that uh, had said it was a fun, fast-growing company. I'm sure Adam Hahn could speak more to Target, but the people that I knew, uh, they seemed to enjoy it. And if you were good at your job, they seemed like they uh, promote you quickly. So, um, but yeah, so then I had the opportunity to go into the family business. So I was... 23 and doing a ground up store and so that was that was pretty interesting so was you uh were you running like were you the manager of the store is that what he had you doing or like yeah we we had a store manager running the existing store and so for like three or three or four months i basically trained as as if i was the store manager kind of a co-manager and then uh, when the new store, once we started and took possession of the building and started setting up fixtures, I was the spear of the project. So um, there, it was interesting being that young, uh, managing people, almost everybody older than you, that, uh, in a professional setting. And probably a lot of them, uh, did you transfer some employees so from one store to the other or... We did not transfer any employees except our office manager. Um, we were trying to make a change of culture. Um, that the culture had served us well for a lot of years in that original store, but as technology and things like that had started to change, a lot of our staff was getting older and were very set in their ways. And so we decided to use this as a clean break to um, be a techno not so not that we're like perfect with technology, but to be more technology first versus old school hardware knowledge first. Right. Yeah, that probably helped you out too. You didn't have the old employees who saw you as you were growing up as a kid, and now are their boss. Um, you just had new employees, so that probably helped you out a little bit that way. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And and I you still because our stores are only. 20 minutes apart, 25 minutes apart, that uh, you still have to interact with everybody and everybody's on the same team or whether, regardless what store you work at. So, right. um, so it, but it was nice having a little bit of cover of not necessarily having to be their direct superior. Right. Yeah. What do you, uh, what do you love about hardware stores? Say that again. What do you love about hardware stores? Why do you uh, want to keep uh, doing them? I think it's good for people with ADD. That's uh, <laughs> you. It's you don't go to work and do the exact same thing every day, um, and especially once 
once you're the boss, you can kind of create your own schedule and create your own workflow, and you can always hire people to do the things you don't want to do. Just make make sure you compensate them fairly for doing those things you don't want to do. Yeah. <laughs> what are what are the thing, what are some of the things that you don't want to do? Uh, the really repetitive stuff, um, like back office reports and, and things of that nature. That uh, technically my responsibilities are back office with uh, <laughs> living remotely, but. Uh, but yeah, I'll, uh, I'll, go, go ahead. ahead. Yeah, okay, let's talk about that for a second. Uh, why don't you tell us what's going on now? Where where do you live at now? I uh, live uh, in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Um, I'm sure some, I'm sure most people are, know my wife, Bridget Barnes. Cool hardware your, store of 2018. That's right. <laughs> and your stores are outside St. Louis, so uh, that's quite the commute you got going on there. And How's yeah, that? An hour and a half, hour and a half flight. That's uh, so it's not too bad. It's really not too bad. You know, I drive out to my North Platte store, and it's two and a half hours. Yeah, so you that, got, uh, got me with, beat on that. Yeah, that uh, we've been lucky to have a really good team of people that um, I would say, not that my store is completely unique, but we do have a younger um, team. Um, each of my store managers, I'm going to say they're both um, mid-20s. Uh, both really good with technology, um, so we communicate a lot, whether it be through text, email. Um, that we don't necessarily have to have a phone call every day, right? Um, which, at one point in my career, I was I did have a store manager who was in his 60s, and uh, I found that I was not a very effective uh, manager with him because I would communicate in my standard way. And he would wait for a face-to-face conversation or a phone call, or mm. and I was not very good at adapting towards that. So you, the younger people, you kind of figured out they don't have to have that face-to-face necessarily. Correct. Yeah, Which yeah. there's always times that you do um, have to have that. My goal is to be physically in my stores ten days of the month. Um, so. When I am, when I do fly down there, I go back and forth between the two stores, and I'll, I'll either walk the store with the managers, or sit down and have a conversation with them in the office, or figure out what they need guidance with or help with, and try to help where I can. Right. And what do you do uh, near Ann Arbor? What are you What are you looking at? Uh, what are you checking every day to make sure the stores are up and running and being correct? Um. I generally try to work on drop ship orders so that way they can be focused on customer service and the day-to-day operations. Um, I know I said I I don't like doing the same kind of reports every day, but uh, I do have some compass reports that I have sent to me either on a daily or weekly basis that that I work those reports uh, looking for just odds and ends, mistakes that people might have missed or cashiering errors or things that can kind of sometimes fall through the cracks. So I'm just an extra set of eyes to just glance at things. Right. What are what then, are some of those what are some of those reports? What like what kind of in particular 
Oh, I guess one of my gripes with ACE would be item change management. Um, so I've created my own compass report that I can manage uh, discontinued items. And um, so I kind of control it my own way versus ACE's way of doing it. So do you, with that, do you like go in on ACENET and find the replacement or are you just, how you're yes. doing it? So my, uh, the report's real simple. It's just items with quantity on hand, zero discontinued flag. Because of having two stores, mm -hmm. um, I don't necessarily want to convert to the new item right away. I might look at the other store and look at inventory and transfer the item right. to help sell down. Um, what I've been finding is just trusting Ace's suggested replacement, it's not always apples to apples. Right. Um, example would be recently there was a cheese cutter, like a, a old school version, and what they were replacing it with, uh, a knife. Well, yes, a knife can cut cheese, but it's not exactly the same <laughs> item. <laughs> um, and... There's been a lot of products that I've been finding where it says um, pending vendor replacement. Hmm. Um, whereas if you just search ASNET yourself, you can kind of find a similar item sometimes if it's a good seller for you versus waiting for Ace to tell you. Um, right. Or you can try to figure out dropship or something. But um, I don't know. That's, that's one of the little reports. Um, I do a cashier audit report every day looking for um, suspicious uh, coupon usage, which I, I, my office manager looks like she does the standard ACE way of doing it, but I have a compass report that just makes it real simple to glance. And if there's anything goofy in there, it stands out pretty quickly. Gotcha. Have you caught anybody? Uh, I would say maybe one mistake every two weeks between the two stores, which um, generally the mistakes are small. Uh, we have found one person who is giving friends uh, discounts through it, but um, that would have gotten caught at a certain point anyway by the, by the office manager's audit. Gotcha. So you have an right. office manager and you have store managers. What other kind of structure do you have at the stores? Um, each store manager, generally, we try to have three full-time assistants. Um, sometimes we'll have a, a fourth part-time assistant. Um, we use the term assistant uh, back office, but as far as in the store, like in the uh, on the sales floor, everyone, there's a store manager and then there's just managers. Um, okay. Growing up being young in the business, I hated the word assistant because they'd always say, ah, you're not good enough. I want to talk to whoever the boss is. <laughs> so I don't like the word assistant on the badges, but, uh, gotcha. but no, I, and with Illinois having, uh, having its uh, minimum wage increase coming, one of our strategies that we're hoping to move towards is um, more full-time employees so we can pay them more. Right. And kind of make sure that they have more training and are more knowledgeable. And so. And that's what's that minimum wage moving to? Uh, it's going to fifteen dollars an hour in twenty twenty five. So and what, whatever. So it'll what be is ten dollars. 
um, on January 1st, and it goes up a dollar every year. Gotcha. Which the math that we did on that for our two stores, it's going to be uh, at least an extra 50000 per location of expense dollars. As if you keep the same amount of employees, right? What you have now, or yeah, which we run pretty bare bones. Um, during our peak season, we throw in a bunch of padding where we we used to just kind of have a good amount of part-time people, and then the full like the um, we would kind of supplement with like seasonal hires. But uh, with this new approach, we're going to have to figure out a way to almost have seasonal full-timeness where during peak season, I'd rather be paying people overtime and then uh, dur during off season, let them only work 20 hours a week and then they can travel and do whatever they want depending on their lives. So it's, it's going to be tough. It's, it's going to, uh, yeah. It's going to be interesting to see how that works out for a lot of A stores. Um, yeah, that's, um, like right now in our labor market, we're we're able to get good people. We're struggling at keeping them because mm -hmm. they'll get poached away, and then sometimes they'll come back, and then they'll get poached away. And um, what I'm predicting is with the minimum wage increase, at first uh, there won't be much change, but as we get closer to that $15 an hour. I think uh, the labor market for employers um, will be much better because we'll be able to pick and choose who we want to hire because there won't be as many jobs out there. Yeah. So yeah, I suppose that's true. Yeah, Ace is such a high-touch uh, employer. We just have to have those people for that service, and puts a lot of pressure on us sometimes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, what um. Your leadership style. How do you how do you lead from so far away? Hmm. I I really try to just spend time with my store managers and make them the leaders. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, when I'm there at the location and I'm in store, I lead by example, which I would say a lot of people generally try to do. But uh, I I think it's important for the store manager to really be the leader of each location. Um, and of course, I mean, I can impact them and I can uh, drive them in certain ways, but I try to let them have their own personality and their own voice and uh, do the things that they're best at um, to try to have fun in their community and whatnot. How much uh, freedom do you give them? Like, are you completely are are those two talking to each other quite a bit, or are they kind of like off running their own store? Uh, you know, I would say both. Um, there's there's different aspects of the store that it's important that they have to be communicating, um, especially during peak season. Um, but there's also different things where uh, one store might do an experiment uh, to see if we can execute something and that that, that manager came up with and they want to try with their team members or which I, I let them do that and if it's successful then we roll it out backwards to the other store 
if it fails, then it's only a failure at one store, and we just keep moving forward. Right. Um, do you have anything unique in your store or that you're doing or uh, that you're carrying? I wouldn't say anymore. Um, all the best brands that you can have, um, we fill in with some odds and ends, grommet stuff, but nothing that I would say is really unique. We've we've really the last year and a half we've been focusing on um, trimming up some of our excess inventory. Uh, uh-huh. We went through a phase where we were trying every dropship vendor under the sun, trying to find that new Yeti, that new steel that, and we're we're not horribly bloated, but we're a little bloated on inventory, so. The last year and a half, we've been trying to. If a cat, if we're not doing plenty of reorders, and if we're not selling five thousand dollars of a category, is it worth doing the dropship? Um, right. So it, we've been looking at stuff like that, and sometimes you still have to do the dropship because it adds that local feel to your store. And so, I mean, there's certain categories you just have to deal with like that, but if if it's not a huge volume item, we've been looking at things and deciding, well, do we really need this category? How are, uh, how do you weigh that, Pat, when you look at that, those things? Are you looking at like per square foot or just profit dollars or how much in, uh, cash is tying up? How do you weigh those drop ships? Uh, it's a little bit of everything. Uh, and another thing that you didn't mention was uh, how accurate the orders come in oh, for, like, yeah. for back office time. Um, yeah, I mean, if a dropship order isn't a thousand dollars or five five hundred to a thousand dollars at cost, by the time you check it in and make sure it's right, and then if you have any defectives or any of that kind of stuff that your office team is running around trying to get credit for, it's really questionable to say that you're actually making the full margin on those items. Um, that so we. We've really kind of toned it down with that and tried to figure out categories to go big or go home. Or even it's kind of a separate school of thought, but bring something in as an in and out where we will load all the SKUs as one SKU versus trying to keep inventory on everything. And Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. So if you're not going to reorder it, just keep it simple and know you're not going to reorder it and bring it in and boom. Yeah, that's something that... You know, sometimes we just get so caught up in other things. You don't weigh your time for your employees sometimes, uh, especially dropship stuff. Yeah. Um, what's the biggest mistake you've made at your store? Or a mistake? <laughs> you don't have to say the biggest. Mm, I know my biggest, uh, my biggest mistake in recent times uh was trying to it was before Sochi and all this stuff and I tried to find an outside uh, company to run our uh, online presence and they were quite successful uh the mistake was not being able to not being able to partner with Ace Corporate to make it a success I guess we it was too expensive for what it was, but also Ace didn't have um, the comfort level with technology at the time that I ended up talking with their legal department and they would not, 
I didn't need access to my Ace Rewards emails. I just needed to to get a copy of them so this um, marketing company could then verify those accounts. So yeah. then that way they weren't, and we weren't going to email them directly. It's like through Facebook where you can have access to cheaper advertising to those people. Right. Um, yep. So we were never going to email anyone. It wasn't going to be anything like that. And the legal department wouldn't release those emails. And then there was some other stuff with uh, uh, the My Store page. They wouldn't allow some technology to get loaded on there. They said that it would violate their user agreement with all the stores if they allowed every store to do whatever they wanted with their MyStore yeah. page. And I suppose that makes sense. Yeah. yeah, but at the same time, they tell us we need to be doing all this stuff, and you come to them with solutions, and they're like, eh. <laughs> um, Is there any technology or apps or anything you're using right now with your team that uh, that's working well? I would say no. Um, I mean, we use mobile manager and that kind of stuff and the ACE ordering app. And I mean, ACE is getting better, but uh, we find that just emails are kind of the best professional way to have a paper trail. And then if it's just something quick and simple that doesn't need a professional trail, um, we text a lot back and forth. Um, just depends on how how professional the topic is. Or if something starts off in a, um, in a text and it turns out to be a topic that I don't think is appropriate for that, then it either turns into a phone call or an email. Gotcha. Just because I like being able to have a trail of... Uh, whatever the conversation was, and then that way if you need to go back and review it, you you have all the paperwork right there versus. Right. Yeah. Um, so, you know, did you use Trello? I know we talked about it. Did you try Trello? Does that work? Or? I did try Trello. Um, at the time, I still had a few uh, managers that weren't quite getting it. Um it's one of those things that if everybody jumps on board, all those technologies seem like they work great. But if you have one person who's not on board, yep. um, and they're a manager, like they're one of the assistant managers, and they're not checking off the things getting done, or then it kind of throws a wrench in the whole plan. Yeah, we have one store who's just excellent at it, and they use it all the time. And the other two stores, they just can't make it keep going, you know, it just falls off all the time. Uh, I think you're right, you know, it's just got to be adopted by everybody. Yeah, and, and those are the kind of things that uh, the different store managers have tried different stuff, uh, and they'll find bits and pieces that work. And I mean, I know it sounds old school, but we still use a dry erase board for, <laughs> for stuff, or we use paper printouts like a, a, a to-do list of things that, for people and they can just cross off and put their initials next to it. It's very, it's very simple, but I mean, sometimes it doesn't need technology to reinvent the wheel when you can just write a note and have someone put their initials next to it. Well, that's, that's exactly right. You know, sometimes, especially in the world we live in now, it's just easy to let's find something, you know, to fix something. It's like, you just write on a piece of paper and hand it to them and there you go. You know, it's not that hard sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
any ideas uh, that ACE or even retail or hardware can work on to improve, uh, to make the store environment or just be better, I guess? You mean as a corporation or as an individual store? Uh, as a corporation. Oh, um, I'm sure people who know me would laugh that I, I still think uh, freight rates is something that we're not very good at as a corporation. Um, I was really hoping with CPO that freight would be a discussion of uh, what stores are paying and to figure out a way to, within reason, balance that, not just make it about how far away your store is from the warehouse, since warehouses move and it kind of disincentivizes people to open stores away from warehouses. So, how uh, what warehouse do you pull out of? Uh, Princeton. Princeton. So, you're a little ways away. Yeah, we're uh, two of my stores are at the very end of Princeton and one's at the end of Colorado Springs. So, I hear you on that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're we're at the end of Princeton. Um there's only a few people that go a little bit further um in our market at least. And um so we've been paying those increased rates for all these years versus stores that are closer to it. And I don't know. Yeah. But uh, but anybody who knows me that's uh that drum has been beat. So <laughs> that's right. Sometimes you gotta you gotta keep scratching at it to make well, it get hurt. Yeah. The one thing that I think uh, would be good for all involved, which would be good for corporate and good for the stores who participate, would be figuring out a way to incentivize stores with the bulletins because sometimes the win the month discounts are so minute that it's not worth ordering on the win the month planner. And then there's pulling from Princeton. There's stores who never order on Bulletin and then bleed the warehouse dry. Yeah. And uh, figuring out a way to reward those stores who help make it easy for ACE corporate buyers. And then I'm not saying penalize the other stores, but keep giving that incentive to those stores who are sharing information, sharing data, making ACE's job easier. They should get rewarded. Yeah, that's that's the hard thing with a co-op, you know. It's, it's, everybody's got their own stores; they do their own thing, and can't yeah. force it force anybody to do anything. Well, you can incentivize. Incentivize, yeah. Ace has used carrots and sticks forever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, what about technology-wise? Uh, what do you think we can get better at with technology? Uh, I feel like it's getting a little better every year. Um, the biggest thing would be driving, uh, negotiating stronger with Depacor and driving down price, which it seems like it goes in waves. But uh, every handful of years, Ace will figure a way to beat them down a little bit. But um, I would say overall technology is getting better. I mean, getting online sales continuing to grow um the new higher ground i think it's important that ace finally is putting in-store pickup and delivery on there mm. 
they should have changed 2020 years ago to require that stuff for the stores who aren't participating in that. It's even if you want to set up parameters where your delivery fee is high or expensive, at least you offer it. Right. That yeah, to exactly. not offer it, I just don't understand. Um, um, what's your uh, weirdest customer story that you have? Oh, um, or funniest maybe. Hmm. Asking the <laughs> wrong guy. That's uh. No problem. Yeah. If you get one. No, I. They're all inappropriate that I wouldn't want to repeat where they can. <laughs> if it wasn't getting recorded, I'd have a couple. All right, you, you can tell me in a week, all right? We'll, we'll talk then. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, uh, how how important has been networking? Uh, you know, this is the PAL podcast, so we'll talk about PAL a bit. How important has networking through PAL and just networking been in your years of being an ACE hardware retailer? I would say kind of the standard 80-20 rule that 80% of what I've learned has come from other retailers and 20% has come from corporate. So for that reason, the networking and getting to know other retailers and visiting their stores, um, I find it very important and um, enjoyable to see how people do business and get to know them. Spending time at your stores, I've I've flown out and spent time with uh, Richard Hassett. Um, It was fun getting to see his stores and how they do business. Um, Just living in Ann Arbor with my wife and seeing how they do business. Uh, It's 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 interesting to see that there's no one way to do it, and just keeping an open mind and um, you can solve solve problems lots of different ways. Yep. Good. Um, what uh, what kind of passion do you have for stuff outside of hardware stores? What do you do in your free time, Pat? Uh, I enjoy watching and playing soccer. Um, I try to play soccer twice a week. Golf is fun, but I'm really bad at it. So, <laughs> so that one doesn't happen as often. But uh, and then. Uh, just something as simple as yard work and having bonfires is also right up my alley. How do you uh, continue to like make yourself better and make yourself a better retailer? Are you doing anything in specific specifically, or well, going to the Powell Summit? Oh, there's a great plug. Thanks, man. <laughs> uh, so I'm doing that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now. In general, um, whether it be business articles about other businesses or um, listening to business podcasts, I'll admit I don't read as many business books anymore. Um, I listen to stuff while I do yard work or um, if I'm doing if I'm driving somewhere or something. I I, I when I was younger I read different business books, but uh, I seem to have kind of fallen into the modern way of just listening to things. And um, 
and like t trying to take little anecdotal things here and there and have them impact my business versus trying to do some huge philosophy change. Or, yeah. Yep. What kind, what podcast are you listening to? Uh, I enjoy Freakonomics. Um, uh, for entertainment, I would say the dollop is one people should check out. The dollop, huh? What's that about? Yeah, it's a historical podcast. Oh. Um, that it has it's more like a comedian and a historian together telling stories, and sometimes they chronicle famous business people like uh, the Colonel Sanders. <laughs> His was a very interesting one. Oh. Uh, uh, you said you used to read books. What, what what books were your favorite back in the day? I don't even know how long ago that was. Uh, it would be, my favorite would be Why We Buy. Right. Uh, yep. That he spoke at a Pinnacle conference years ago. But uh, I was assigned that book in college. Really? And um, I would say, like, if my managers ever have someone that come to them and say, hey, I'd really like a raise, what can I do? Um, one of the things that I always tell them they should do is assign that book. I think it makes every anyone who reads it a better customer service person. And you think about store environment a lot more. Um, I, I think you could give a whole summit just on different chapters of that book that... Uh, um, how to merchandise and how to treat different customers differently in order to make them feel the most comfortable. Um, I know we like to say that everyone's equal in our society, but uh, that that's not always the way they want to be treated in a store. Different people want to be treated differently depending on how old they are or male or female or whatever. So, Yeah, see, I have that book too. I read it too. It is really interesting book, that's for sure. Uh, and it's it's not very long, so it's easy. It's like 150 pages or something. Yep. Not big words. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I wouldn't uh, get through it. What did you go? Uh, what did you get your degree in in college? Uh, marketing. In marketing. Yep. What are you doing for marketing? Let's touch on that real quick. What are you guys? Are you doing circular still? Are you doing digital? I know you talked on Sochi a little bit, but um, we're doing the standard fair digital, a uh, little bit of Facebook here and there, and then the the um, the emails with Ace. Uh, mediocre response with a lot of that stuff. Um, mm -hmm. Our newspaper is shutting down this month in our town. So we're going with direct mail for the remainder of the year as an experiment. Uh -huh. um, it's a lot more expensive than what we were doing just with the newspapers, so it's going to be a real question mark of whether or not we continue doing print. Years ago when ACE recommended to just release your ACE rewards to the max, um, we started doing that, and we've had great results with all of our rewards. I know people talk about... Um, like coupon issues and bleeding margin because there's too much too much discounting. Um, we have seen a slight tick down, but not much. Um, 
I will admit that we keep our margins pretty comfortable. <laughs> that I'm I'm not uh, I'm not in the business of trying to um, sell everything at the cheapest price. So so that hasn't hurt us too much, and we get a lot of traffic from those from sending those mailers out. So so I believe in that program as long as you have strong, strong margins. Right. So, yeah. Do you think, uh, like we, we started discussing around here, like just complete getting out of circular. So digital or uh, mail or, uh, um, direct mail or newspaper circulars. Do you think that's something that we, people should look at, or do you think circulars are still moving the needle? Uh, well, I think it depends on your market. Depends on the age of your market. Um, so for for one of my two locations, I think we would still need to do it because we have an older clientele. At my other market, I would say it's a younger clientele who's more mobile because we're near a military base, and so the, every three three years or so, there's a people. Um, so. For that reason, I would say you just have to analyze. Yeah. Yep. I'm losing you. How about now? Yeah, I can hear you. All right. Yeah. But uh, I would say I'm leaning to the point of no circulars. But if you look at our biggest, well, one of our top three competitors, Menards, who um, won the JD Power Award. That uh, and beat us. That they do circulars every week of the year, and they're the size of phone books. So, yeah. so something's working about them. Something. Uh, dirty old Menards. The worst. <laughs> uh, Pat, what's your favorite story that you visited? Who's your most one you've been most impressed with? You can't. And you can't say Bridget. <laughs> you can't say Bridget. That's. Uh, <laughs> Um, I don't know. I think I think even when you walk in the worst store, mm-hmm. there's always at least one idea worth stealing. So if you're not if you're not able to steal one idea from just any retailer when you walk in, um, then you're not looking hard enough. So to say the best store. I don't say best. The one that you you enjoyed a lot going to visit. Well, we do store visits every year, so I kind of get um, I kind of get overload of stores that uh, I'm sure there's stores out there that I've never visited that I would love to visit. So I would say it's got to be a store that I haven't made it in yet. <laughs> You're so political. <laughs> <laughs> That was a good one. Yeah, I don't want to make anybody mad because I got a lot of friends. <laughs> uh, you're great, Pat. Um, who do you uh, who do you think we should talk to on the podcast next, or not next, but sometime? Well, uh, something that I think would be interesting would be uh, because pricing is so important. Um, I know he's not a retailer. But uh, something that helped me was Mike Allen, 
whatever oh, however you say his last name. Felix, yep. The, the the Aussie. In that uh it's something that I think would be important for everyone to uh, to think about is their margins and their margin mass rules and constantly revisit it because because ACE is constantly updating their strategies. So just because you have a rule right now, next year from now that rule might not make sense. So yeah. Um in today's marketplace where people can check your prices on acehardware.com and from their phone and making sure that it's uh it's where you want it to be. Yeah. I think I think that could be helpful to people if they haven't taken his class at the show or if they haven't talked to him before. Yeah, no, you're right. You and I've, you've spent more time with Mike than I have, but we both have sit down with him and he's helped us out with our, with our rules and uh, definitely worth the, the time and money to do that. So. Yeah, I highly recommend it. That uh, his, his rate for what he gives you, I think is a very, very fair, um, very fair return on investment that you can make it up pretty quickly. You just got to get him when he's over here in the States. So I see, I, I did it all over the phone. Oh so. yeah, you can. I forgot about that. Dallas did that yeah. too over the phone. Yeah. It takes a little longer to where it's, but uh, yeah, you got to do the price changes anyway. So you, yeah, you can true. execute them all right away. Yeah. Yep. Sounds good. Well, uh, anything else you want to talk about, Pat? No. No, it's, uh, <laughs> I hope no one listens to this. Uh, you did great, man. It's always good to talk to you. Uh, appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. Uh, Likewise. Good yep. talking with you, and I'll see you next week. Yep, see you next week. Thanks, Pat. Thanks, Blake. Yep, bye. Bye. <laughs>